Hi, and thanks for listening to LockPod. My name's Katie Ringsdor. Today, I'm joined by Eileen Adamson. She's a mum, a teacher, a money coach, and she co-hosts Clever About Cash, a BBC Radio Scotland podcast. Eileen, thank you very much indeed for joining us on LockPod this morning. Now, you are a very, very busy lady. Uh, so why don't you firstly start by introducing yourself and telling us a bit about you? Thanks, Katie. I'm delighted to be on here and I love the work that you guys are doing. So it's exciting to be helping you out with that. Uh, So I am Eileen Adamson. I am firstly a mum of three. I am also a teacher, a PE teacher. And for some reason, I decided that um, once I had three under two, that um, teaching full time was too stressful and I needed to do something else. So I am also a money coach. And I help other teachers to manage their money more effectively. I also do financial education in schools, teach that in schools, which is brilliant. I absolutely love the opportunity to be able to do that for children. And I have got my own podcast, the Your Money Sorted Teachers Podcast, which is just good fun because it's just chatting about money in an everyday way. And I really enjoy that. And I'm also co-host of BBC podcast Clever About Cash, which is a fab we again, a a kind of a more lighthearted look at money as well. So, yes, I'm a very busy lady, but it's all good. So tell me, how did you go from teaching into money coaching? So what was it that kind of triggered that uh, transition in your career? Well, as I said before, I was just too stressed to keep teaching because I had these three wee children and I was looking for something else to do. So I started my own bookkeeping business, which was great and I absolutely loved doing that. And I taught two days a week and I did my bookkeeping business the rest of the week. But I just felt that there were so many people out there in debt. I was looking around my friends and acquaintances and seeing people really struggling to manage money and I knew that I was pretty good at managing money and that we'd made a lot of good decisions and the reason that I could cut down to part-time was because we'd very low debt and we'd a low mortgage and etc so that's when I kind of decided right I think I could help other people to kind of create this financial security and I kept looking to see what job it was I wanted to do and every time I was googling it kept coming up with financial advisor and I'm like that's not what I want to do I don't want to sell people mortgages and insurance policies that's that's just not it and then one day I was googling and found this financial coaching and I was like oh my goodness it was like a light bulb I was like that's what I want to be that's what I want to do but At that stage, it was very big in America, but it wasn't really so big over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was difficult to find a training course to to do that. So I eventually went and did a life coaching qualification, which again, I thought, oh, life coaching, that's very American and it's very (laughs) kind of, oh, come and chat about your feelings. But I discovered that it was about so, so practical and I absolutely loved the life coaching. And then I found a financial coaching course, did that, and well, the rest is history. I'm now a financial coach, and it's brilliant to see in the UK now that financial coaching is definitely on the up, and people are beginning to understand what it is and how it can help. So that's great news. 
It is. And like what you're saying, the, the life coach stuff is really relevant, actually, because money is very emotional, isn't it? And a lot of the decisions we make are impacted by kind of, you know, real life stuff. It's not, you don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, I must save for a mortgage. You think, oh, I'd like to buy a house. <laughs> so it is a really emotional thing. And you specifically coach teachers. Is that right? I do, yes. Um, I kind of, when I started out with my business, I was like, oh, I'll just help anybody. And that really doesn't work. You've got to be very, very targeted in what you're doing. So essentially what I do now is I help teachers to do two things, really. One, to prepare for retirement effectively. And two, to live a happy life now and to be able to enjoy the money that they make just now with the kind of, the added bonus of using their money effectively so that they can reduce stress in their life because teachers are stressed beyond belief and anything that we can do to help them to kind of live happier and healthier lives has got to be a good thing. Yeah, you're right. And they're drastically underpaid as well, in my opinion. Um, you know, I mean, teachers work so hard. I mean, what are the what are the common topics you're coming across? I mean, I know you're talking about retirement and stuff um, and kind of making the most of the salary that they get paid. But what's kind of like the common things that themes that come up from teachers that you're speaking to? So, yes, we talk about retirement. We talk about the importance of looking at your pension. And so many teachers, we're very fortunate because we do have a good pension scheme. Um, but so many teachers don't ever look at their pension until they're like 55, 56, 57, thinking about retiring. And we really need to start looking at our pensions much, much earlier in life and make sure that they're on track, make sure that they're going to allow us to retire when we want to retire. The early retirement age is going up to 57. So people are needing to think about perhaps other ways of preparing for retirement. Do I want to work till that age? In terms of the, the receiving your full teacher's pension, the youngest teachers are not going to get their full pension until they're 68. So looking creatively around retirement and thinking about other things that you can do so that you can retire when you want. So we spend a bit of time looking at, at that. But what we also spend a bit of time looking about is money mindset. And it is such a huge, huge issue. And most people don't actually realise that that's the issue. They think that they need to make a budget and they need to get the thing. Once they've made a budget and once they've worked all that out, that everything will magically sort itself out. But it often doesn't. And the reason for that is that money mindset behind the problems. And it could be something from your childhood where money was maybe always tight in your childhood and you grew up be believing that money will always be tight and you worry about money constantly. People who grew up like that can often start to hoard money and they're frightened to spend money and all they want to do is see their bank account grow and they don't get any joy from their money because the most important thing that they can get from their money is security because they never want to be in the same position as their family because they didn't have money. Yeah, yeah. So that can be a huge block for people. And if money is something that's a, a big issue like that in your life, it just sucks the joy out of life. Yeah, you're right. But we've then got, of course, 
We've then got, of course, the opposite side of that, Katie, which is where people, and in teaching especially, when people are stressed, spending can become a, a kind of escape stress. And that can then lead to huge problems because you spend money, you then feel guilty, you then beat yourself up about it, which makes you feel worse, which then leads to you feeling more stressed, which then leads to you spending more. And it's just such a vicious cycle for people. And that can be something that can end up in people getting into debt. And then again, you beat yourself up about that and the guilt, the shame, the anger, everything. So the whole, once you deal with the money mindset, life just becomes so much easier. That's really interesting, actually. And I wonder, actually, with your stuff that you do in schools as well around financial education with with younger people, too, could we be doing more across, you know, education? I think it's a pretty obvious answer, to be honest with you, but I'd be really interested in your view. (laughs) Should we be doing more at the school level so that by the time you get to, you know, 18 and you start to, or maybe even younger if you have a Saturday job, when you start to make money and you can understand how to budget and understand about, you know, getting credit and all of that kind of stuff, what more can be done? There is so much good work being done, but there's not enough good work being done. And the curriculum is so packed with everything. And it sometimes seems to be down to schools to solve every problem in the world. And there's so much pressure on the curriculum, which makes it really difficult for people. So we need to solve that. We need to get financial education embedded in the curriculum everywhere. It is in Curriculum for Excellence up here, but we need to have it embedded as a really, really important factor in every single year group, in every single term that people get financial education. The second thing we need to make sure is that people are getting good quality financial education in schools. And part of the problem is that there's very few people who are experts in delivering financial education. So it tends to be sometimes shoehorned into other um, subjects, which is great. And that's what we want. We want it to be something that can be talked about in every day in lots of different subjects. But you then end up with people who are perhaps not confident about teaching financial education. And there's a lot of good work being done, like Money Charity down in England and Wales. They're doing fantastic work around financial education and they've got loads of resources on their website. They've also they also offer um in schools they, they deliver workshops and things. So I would encourage people down south to really look into the money charity and the work that they do because it is super. Up here in Scotland we have got CIFET who have just um merged with Young Enterprise Scotland. And they deliver a programme, but only to S6s. And we really need to widen this reach. But the fact that we have now amalgamated with Young Enterprise Scotland is a really exciting opportunity because Young Enterprise Scotland already do a huge amount of good work in enterprise, but they're now bridging out into financial education. And the they have a huge wealth of resources on their website which are definitely worth checking out they're also doing a bit of training around helping teachers to become more confident 
in delivering financial education. So I do think we've got a lot of good things going on, but it's just getting it to the right place. And another example of this is Martin Lewis has done a fantastic Money Matters textbook and it has been delivered into all schools now. But I know in my school, I spoke to the person who's in charge of financial education and he hadn't seen these books, despite the fact that they'd been in schools for a couple of months. And we need to make sure that the resources are getting to the right people and that they can then be used to deliver financial education effectively in schools. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an interesting point that you made earlier about, you know, finding the right people to educate as well, Um, you know, upskilling people and making sure they're confident in delivering it. Because I read a really interesting article last week, actually, I think it was in City AM, that said something like 18.6 million adults now trust financial advice on social media, which which scares me a little, I have to say, because you could have anybody on there, you know, a celebrity that you trust saying, invest in this, do this, and it could be catastrophic for people. What's your view on that? Oh, now, there's both ends of the spectrum. I'm in the UK Money Bloggers group, and in there we have got some absolutely fantastic people who are doing really, really good work around financial education and They are raising the profile of it. Their resources are fantastic. Their ideas are fantastic. There's such a difference of style. So there is something for everybody, which is great. But we then look at some of other platforms. We then look at some other influencers whose influence is not good. And I think especially I've got three teenagers and my two girls are not too bad at managing their money. They're pretty good. My son is attracted to making money and he wants to make money and he wants to do well and he wants to be financially independent, which are all really good things. And I I really hope they achieve that. But he's very drawn to the easy wins. So he's very drawn to things like crypto. He's very drawn to the gambling things, which are never going to make you a fortune. Um, he's very drawn to the kind of Instagrammers who are wearing all the flash clothing and who are follow this and this is this will make you rich and things. And I do think that young people are very susceptible to scams and very susceptible to these people who are showing them that making money is easy, but are they making money legally? Not entirely sure. Um, and are they making money of out of other people who are then jumping onto their ideas and in actual fact the, the idea that they have for making money doesn't make them money. So it's actually a kind of pyramid scheme type thing. So that concerns me hugely. And I think it's around education. And I think we need to get to children in schools and that needs to be an important part of financial education is recognising scams. And I've seen a lot of financial education materials recently and they do mention these, but again, it's about getting that information to the children. Yeah, I agree. And it'll be interesting to see if there'll be more online regulation as well around who can give advice. Because I think it's TikTok have now banned financial advice from influencers um, just recently. So it's going to be, I think over the next few months, we'll start to see 
a lot of change as to what information can be shared on social with regards to financial education and kind of influencing unless you're qualified, you know? Yes, and there's definitely got to be some regulation around that. And TikTok platforms like TikTok are brilliant. They're a brilliant resource for, for getting to our young people, but only if the information that's shared is is regulated and is valuable, good, solid advice. Because a lot of the stuff that seems to be shared is just very far from that. And another thing that concerns me for young people is the rise of the kind of buy now, pay later culture. And it was good to see this week that Klarna are now offering, well, other other buy now, pay later are available. But I saw that um, Klarna is now offering a pay now facility, which I, I'm just, I, I just cannot understand why we want to encourage people to pay in three installments. If you cannot afford £30 for a pair of jeans, don't buy them. Because paying in three instalments is just never, ever going to be a good plan. But even amongst my my kind of Facebook group that I've got, even amongst them, they're going, oh, well, surely that's okay. I mean, it just means that you you just need to pay a tenner a month for the next three months. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you then forget that last week you bought a pair of boots for £60 and you're paying £20 a month for them and it's just too easy to get into debt by using those methods and to me a really simple way is well if you can't afford it don't buy it yeah that's a good point but that seems to be quite a kind of well, it seems to be quite a kind of old-fashioned view but I think it needs to not be I think we need to make it a cool view that if you can't afford it don't buy it unless it's something that's an investment for your future. So something like a house, a student loan, um, a, perhaps a car that you need to get to work, those things might be good investments for your future. But anything else, if you can't afford it, don't buy it. I think everything's just become so urgent, hasn't it? I want it. I get it. It's a very different world. Very different world. Um, and buy now, pay later is such an interesting topic. I'm going to be fascinated to see how that changes as well um, and the regulation around that. I've been reading quite a lot of that recently, actually. Um, now, Eileen, let's talk about a joint passion that you and I have, which is radio. Now, you uh, run a podcast uh, with a co-host, Kim, uh, on BBC Radio Scotland. Tell me a bit about that and how you got involved. And that was really funny, Katie. Um, I got a, a phone call from the producer from BBC Scotland who said that they were doing this um, radio programme it started out as and they were looking for a money coach and would I like to be involved? And my brains, my mouth said, yes, yes, that's fine, that's great. My brain's going, oh my goodness, no. <laughs> I, oh no, this sounds awful. But I kept saying, yes, yes, that's fine. And then I was like, wait a minute, you did say radio, not TV. And he said, yes, yes, I did. And I was like, right, okay. And you did say it was going to be recorded and it wasn't live. And he said, yes. And I'm like, right, okay, I'll do it. But I hadn't actually had a lot of experience with that before. But we're now in our sixth series. Wow. And we've been turned into a podcast. So we're available on BBC Sounds and it's just been such a fantastic experience because I've learned so much. I've enjoyed 
spoken to lots of different people. I've enjoyed learning about lots of different aspects about money and meeting different companies and speaking to different people with different views, with different ideas, with different innovations for the financial services industry. And we've also spoken to people, just ordinary people on the street and spoken about money in just a different way and tried to make it more accessible and more interesting for people and definitely more relevant to people's lives today. I think often we get, uh, do we get blocked? Do we get a bit scared about stepping out of our comfort zone? And I think sometimes you've just got to say yes and just see what happens and life Life works out, doesn't it? So, yes, say yes to opportunities would be my advice there. That's great advice. And uh, what a brilliant opportunity as well. So how do you kind of, how do you decide what topics you're going to cover? Have you got kind of a lot of, do you get a lot of feedback from listeners to say, oh, I've really enjoyed listening to this and I'd love to hear more about kind of this subject? How do you kind of source your content? Well, I'm really fortunate because I've got an absolutely amazing producer, Richard, who. Richard will say to Kim and I, right, what do you think, um, what will we chat about this series? Kim and I will send over our ideas and Richard will come up with ideas of his own and Richard sources all the guests and does all that. All Kim and I actually have to do is turn up and chat, which we're both fairly good at. Richard does all the hard work and, you know, he's the kind of unseen person behind the scenes. And I don't think he gets the, the kind of kudos that he deserves because he's absolutely amazing. And, yep, he does all that. So I can't take any credit for that. Well, it sounds like you've got a great team and well done, Richard. I think I could do with a Richard, actually, for Lockpod. So uh, if you're after a job, no, I'm joking. I wouldn't take him away from you. I wouldn't steal him from you. <laughs> oh, well, Eileen, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on Lockpod and sharing your career and some of the bits of, of your interesting parts of uh, your coaching specifically. But uh, really loved speaking to you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you this morning. <laughs>